Hello and welcome to the Food and Beverage Leaders Podcast. I'm Andy Barr, owner of Barr Transportation. We're so glad you joined us today. Now, our mission here is very simple at Barr Transportation. It's to provide you with the most reliable and honest national transportation for your goods, paired with proactive communication throughout the entire life of the load. Now, this podcast is designed exactly for you. It's for sales managers, produce managers, logistics managers, traffic managers, the entire C-suite, anyone else who really wants to perform at the top of their game in this global food and beverage industry. So whether you're big or small, West Coast or East Coast, this podcast is meant for you. Now make sure to stick around at the end of each show and we'll reveal how you can apply to be on the show yourself so you can grow your authority, build partnerships, and help your business boom. Interviews are about 15 to 20 minutes long. And I'll leave you with my favorite quote, preparation plus opportunity equals success. That's it. I'll see you on the inside. Enjoy this episode. All right. Welcome back, everyone. Today, we are with Andy Wells. It's the Andy and Andy show. Andy, welcome. Thanks for having me, Andy. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Andy is with Oatka Milk Products in New York, Batavia, New York. And we're going to talk about milk, dairy, maybe some cheese, uh, and just what's going on in the logistics space in that dairy atmosphere. But uh, before we dive in, Andy, kind of give us a little background about where you came from, uh, how you got into the food space, and looks like you have some military background as well. So you can touch on that, please. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, after I got out of the uh, U.S. Air Force, I did six years uh, in the in the lovely state of New Jersey with the Air Force. <laughs> nice. Got to do uh, a couple of deployments uh, into the Middle East. Uh, so when I got out, I was really just trying to get back home to uh, to upstate New York for for a job. Uh, I worked at the post office for a little while, being a, a mailman, and then started deciding, well, I want to put my degree that I got while I was in the service to work, which was in business logistics management, and uh, got into the uh, food and beverage industry. So started off at a, uh, a brewery around here, a regional brewery, uh, which has my favorite beer, Tennessee beer, <laughs> and then uh, moved on to another food manufacturing company locally in Rochester. Uh, and then when Oatka Milk uh, offered me a, a position there, uh, I definitely was very interested in dairy. Uh, as, a, as a commodity. So uh, I jumped at the opportunity and uh, I've been there for about two years now. It's been great though. Great, great. And it looks like you were with the brewery for about six years. So mm-hmm. what, 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 what made the jump, right? From uh, the beer to, well, you didn't go right into Oaka. You went to mm-hmm. another food and beverage company, but kind yeah. of describe that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the brewery, it's uh, to me, it was like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. Right. So I was already a fan of the beer and then you're working there. So yeah, <laughs> they, they, people are very content there. Your morale is pretty high when you're when you're uh, bribing people with free beer. So it was uh, yeah. <laughs> it was it was uh, if you're looking for a way to advance your career and, and move around, it was uh, most people there. It's uh, they're they're retiring or dying and they're not just moving on. So you have to be like, all right, well, what's important for me at the time? You know, we had a we had a young kid. Uh, uh, baby at the time so uh all right so let's shift around and see what else is out there and uh the other company i worked at ledestri uh that's you know sauces and uh uh all these other things that they do uh they even have liquor and uh so it was just great exposure to the industry as a whole you're just looking all right i'm not just focused on alcohol right now uh you're looking at you know the food uh food and um regular beverage manufacturing so it was great to do that and then uh uh, I laugh. I tell our, our CEO when, when I interviewed at WACA, 
when I pulled in and all the reserve spots were pickup trucks, I was like, well, yeah, I think I'm in the right spot. A farmer co-op. So uh, we're owned by the farmers. So uh, 90% of our milk comes within from within hundred miles in upstate New York. So uh, when you're working, you're working for a purpose, you know, you're making sure that all these dairy farmers that are waking up at the crack of dawn and, and logging all those hours, they're, they're getting some value for their milk that they're making. So it's uh, I, I like to call it honorable work that you're doing. So <clears throat> That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's nothing better than, you know, sourcing locally. You can actually, you know, get to know the, the farmers, get to know your local suppliers. Um, you know, there's, you know, there's large conglomerates, you know, and, and everything, but it's, it's just nice to have a relationship, you know, in the simplest yeah. form with your suppliers. Yeah. Keep it local for sure. <laughs> exactly. Um, so Andy, let's, let's kind of take a step back and zoom out and look at the whole, you know, milk, cheese, dairy industry, what, what's going on in that space for us listeners that, that aren't, you know, don't live milk day to day, you know, what, what is going on in the industry as far as, you know, competitors coming in, maybe they're leaving. Uh, is it a great time to enter? Is it a great time to sell? What, what's going on in the milk space? I mean, it's, it's another one of those things where it's a, it's a commodity that there's definitely a lot of demand for. So um, what OACA does, people hear OACA milk, they're thinking we're putting it in gallons and stuff like that. But really what we are is we're a milk balancing plant. So when it's not going into a, a gallon of milk and it's not going into ice cream or something like that, it comes to us. So we make sure that our farmer owners get the most uh, value for their products. So um, we'll put it into butter powdered milk, uh, evaporated or condensed milk that you get in the baking aisle. Uh, and then a big portion where these specialty beverages, which is, you know, like ready to drink coffees that you'd see at like a convenience store or something like that. Um, and what's sure, funny sure. is, uh, that was the big focus when I first started. And then, you know, right around end of 2019, beginning of 2020, when this little thing called COVID hit, uh, there was a big shift where we had this huge demand for the evaporated milk. Uh, so evaporated condensed milk, all that stuff. Uh, it just shot through the roof where I don't, I don't know if it was bad Instagram bakers or something where, you know, <laughs> they, they needed to buy more. If it was, you know, people that are sort of prepping where it's like, all right, I have a shelf stable 15 month uh, milk substitute that I can do where you could just throw in a gallon of uh, one part of milk with one part of uh water and then you have you know drinkable milk potable milk for your family where you don't have to worry about you know refrigerator space and all that i don't know if it was that um if it was the the vitamins and the nutrients that go along with it um but yeah there was just a huge demand for it so it's just funny to see how the uh the the market shifts for that sort of thing and uh i mean if you look at the us we're we're pretty good space for for food manufacturing as a whole where that's right. one of the main things that we make now. A lot of the stuff got outsourced, to, you know, overseas for manufacturing, whether it's car parts or whatever. But now, you know, trans, uh, transistors. I know your uh, your trucks are waiting on, uh, yeah. which I read about that frequently. So all that stuff is outsourced. But food around here, I mean, you know, it's it's the breadbasket of the world basically. So um, I, I guess that's one of the things I was excited about being able to come on here and talk about too. Was you know, as as the podcast says that the leaders in the food and beverage industry, how are we going to focus on the future of that industry? Because it's not exactly. always something that was advertised. Like when you're going through high school, Hey, you can go into food and beverage manufacturing. There's a lot of career paths in there. And, and I really think it should be, especially after my experience with it, you know? Yeah. So, so, so let us recap that a little bit more. So you said evaporating milk has, has really grown. That's what you're saying. Yeah. It's really okay. And that's um, like you said, that's mixing like a powder with, with uh with water to make normal milk is that 
No, so the evaporated milk is like what you get in the little tin cans in the baking aisle. Um, so basically you're just uh, evaporating off portions of the water from the milk and then it sort of condenses down the, the nutrients for that product. Um, but then it also goes through pasteurization, which makes it shelf stable. So for like uh, different parts of the world that don't have uh, as good of a, an electrical grid where you don't have, you know, refrigerators in every house, it's a huge commodity where, um, you know, that way they can get the nutrients for their family that they need. And it's not something you have to keep refrigerated all the time with, you know, a couple of weeks uh, shelf time, like regular milk. So got it. Okay. So it's more like uh, extremely saturated milk. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And I, you know, when I started, I was like starting to experiment with it. Like, all right, well, reading profiles about, you know, people that use it for baking and cooking, it just gives a little depth of flavor and everything like that. Cause everything condensed. So, you know, I, one of our things that we started with, uh, you know, everyone being locked in a house was we did, uh, you know, weekly French toasts. And I was like, well, let me try, you know, French toast with the evaporated milk in the, in the mix that I make. And I, I felt like it did, it gave it a little extra, little extra oomph of flavor. So, uh, yeah. It was okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. No tips there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, how about the type of milk? Like what's popular? You've got the, the 2%, the whole milk, the skim. Mm -hmm. um, and I know you guys, like you said, you're, you, you take the milk and, and you don't always, you know, just, you know, re uh, categorize it into milk that's going to be distributed, but it could be into butter to ice cream mm -hmm. specialty. So yeah. you really kind of can, help the farmers get the most bang for their buck, depending on, I guess, demand for what the market's demanding at that time. Yeah. And it, it all just depends. So with that evaporated milk, you can do a few different versions. Uh, you can do a sweetened condensed, you can do a skim. Uh, it just really depends on what the customer's looking for. So um, uh, right now it's just, like I said, the, the demand for it is, is through the roof. So uh, they, they want all of everything. And it, it's funny when you hear the naysayers that are saying, oh, you know, I don't know if a lot of people really are going to dairy. They want the oat milk or the almond milk or anything like that. But, you know, when those shelves were barren in grocery stores, I, I didn't see a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, regular milk on the shelves. <laughs> there was a lot of oat milk and almond milk still available readily. So <laughs> I feel like milk is a staple of America. It's just kind of oh, like, yeah. you know, you, yeah. well, you said you live sort of in like the Northeast area too, right? So, you know, snowstorms, what happens? The first thing that's gone is milk and bread. Everyone's like, Oh my God, you're going to get snow. So that's the first thing they go for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'm originally from, Cincinnati, Dayton area, spent nine years in Chicago and, and I'm in Charlotte now and, and we, we can't drive in Charlotte. Like there's a, a little flake of snow. People freak out like, yep. like the, it's, it's, it's crazy. Uh, all the food goes away in the toilet paper, but uh, okay. So uh, COVID, COVID, how, how has Alatka fared with that? And, you know, it looks like we're on the better half, got the vaccines out, got some boosters yeah. coming. Yep. Touch on that if you could. Yeah. yeah, you start seeing some places open back up, which is good. So you start seeing more demand for a lot of the products. Uh, so like the ready to drink coffees, you know, people are hitting the road more. So mm -hmm. there's more demand for that. Um, but I mean, overall, it's the relationships that help you get through. So I think like as an industry, we can't sit here and say, well, you know, the shippers or receivers versus the truckers or anything like that. We got to look at it as look we all kept working through all this, you know, we weren't all sitting at home and, and able right. to sit in our PJs, you know, the whole time it didn't necessarily get easier either. 
so I think it's on us to sort of try and make it easier for each other as much as we can. So take care of each other, keep the freight moving, um, because that's where you saw there were the gaps in the supply chain. And if nobody wants to come to your facility to pick up, then you're not going to, I don't care how much demand there is for your product, <laughs> you know? So you got to yeah. figure out ways to keep, uh, keep everything flowing and, and really build those relationships with people. So that's what it was. When COVID first hit, there was not a lot of freight movement. Well, food manufacturers, we were still moving. <laughs> we still had tons of demand. You saw empty shelves. There's a panic. So our carriers that we had worked with then, you know, they relied on us. Hey, you guys still got freight moving. Can, you know, we need, we need to pick up with you. And then when you see the shift now where it's a trucking shortage and an operator shortage, those are the same carriers that are helping us weather that storm because, you know, we helped them when, when there was no shipment, another sh freight for them to ship. So now they're helping us while there's this big surplus and we got to get our products to market. Exactly. And when there is a surplus, how do you, how do you solve that? When there's a, of, of all the, the orders, you, you just yeah. got to be flexible, right? And you want to set realistic <laughs> expectations. So, all right, my customer wants this, this, and this. We're going we're gonna to do our best with it, but you could see exposure where, all right, there might be a longer wait time, or you know, we might need to incur some overtime, or we might need to shift where we're shipping it out of, you know, that sort of thing, just to, to keep up with some of the, uh, the large amounts of orders you got to get out. Mm -hmm. so. Maybe go to different distribution centers, or like you said, maybe I know some shippers will try a different mode of transportation. If over the road gets too pricey, yeah. they go rail. Yeah. Um, you know, other different things to look at, but it, it's all connected, right? Like, oh yeah. Uh, Have you had to do much air freight yet? That's a fun one, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's a new one over the last year. <laughs> we we are, uh, you know, thank goodness, mostly domestic. Uh, but but yeah, you know, anything on a, a airplane or or a vessel, you know, going uh, via sea, you know, mm -hmm. just just Long Beach, and then you just get nightmares. You know, Long Beach, oh, California. Yeah. You know, so. I saw they were up to ninety three uh, ninety three container vessels the other day. So that's That's insane. insane. <laughs> yeah. And, and I heard the, the port's going to be opening, uh, if not already, to 24 hours a day instead of 20, which is going to help. But still, yeah. OK, now you got a big, you know, you're, they're off the ships. But now, OK, there's now they're just stacking up in the yard. Right. So, you know, still you gotta still, move. Gotta move them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that was the, the big adjustment. And then it was just people didn't know what to do. So, you know, yeah, I was I was watching something about a company like Coca-Cola where, you know, they're realizing that, OK, we have limited supplies to run our products. So we have limited trays, we have limited cans just because of all the, the shortages that were everywhere. So maybe this month we don't release like the boysenberry Coke or, you know, these, yeah, these weird right. flavors, these new uh, experimental products. Maybe we just focus on, you know, our main things that we do. And uh, it, it's sort of refreshing to see some companies do that because like, hey, you know, that's your heavy hitter. You know that that's what the customers want. So just focus on getting that out to them. And then it, and it sort of streamlines things a little bit here and there because you're not keeping, you know, 20 different SKUs of cans or labels or whatever it is that you're doing. So exactly. When it when things get crazy and busy, you kind of stick to your core competencies, stick to what you do best. And uh you know, that usually tends to simplify things, which tends to move things along a little bit faster than if you had, like you said, a thousand SKUs and you're trying to do everything. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, we usually kind of touch on more of the industry, but Andy, with your experience in logistics and uh, the military, I'm going to shift a little bit, if you don't mind. Uh, yeah. You know, you got to the experience with the Air Force and we're talking about the, the log jam and the ports, uh, specifically Long Beach. I've heard a, a number of professionals talk about okay what if this might just be out of the box thinking but what if we hired the national guard to just mm -hmm. hey you know i don't know if they're cdl you know i'm sure some national guard 
troops are have their CDL, but you know, I'm sure there could be an expedited way to to get license to help with this logjam to to you know un unjam the uh, the ports. Any yeah. any thoughts on that? It, you know, just on the so that, I know the National Guard is the big sort of fix all for a lot of things. Now I I'm more one. I'm a big advocate for uh, you know uh, veterans, employing veterans, and everything like that especially the global war on terror, terrorism veterans that, you know, were operational from September 11th, you know, until the last, you know, five years or so. Yeah. Um, when it sort of shifted downward a little bit, those guys, they can do everything, you know? So like yeah. the, 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 the amount of equipment that I would run and the operational tempo that, that people would be used to in those theaters, they would lend themselves to that sort of thing very easily. Cause they know, all right, here's my mission. Here's my parameters I got to operate within. Mm-hmm. And, and here's the end state. Here's the goal we're trying to get to. And, and that's something that translates very well for them. So uh, I think that that would be another, uh, uh, an avenue where you could try and market those jobs to those people. And uh, I think they would, they would go for it, you know, cause it, it's, it's an ever challenging industry. That's why I think I, I've liked the food and beverage industry compared to the military so much, because it is that it's always something new. I ask people, what do you want to do right. the same thing at work every day? No, we, we're going to get a new <laughs> slap in the face or a new challenge every time you walk in the door. So exactly. <laughs> and that's yeah. what uh, that, that era of veteran are, are very used to. And uh, I think it would be very beneficial to start leaning on those people to say, all right, Hey, what can we do here? So. I think there's something there. We should we should flush that out. So, I don't have any political poll, but maybe if you do, we'll, you know, we'll send a letter and uh, see if we can get some movement there. But yeah, um, sure. I did see one interesting note. They do a logistics managers index uh, that they publish each month, and uh, it was uh, in November. the The U.S. had 210,000 jobs in the uh, and uh, 50,000 were in transportation warehouses. So our our two wow. industries right there. So you're talking about a quarter of the jobs that were added are all in the industry. So the market's starting to react to that sort of thing. And and whereas before it was like if you had empty warehouse space, people were like, "What are you doing now?" It's like you got what? <laughs> can, yeah, we, can we use yeah. that? <laughs> now, now, now you've got the, the commercial real estate firms building as, as fast as they can, the warehouses, oh, yeah. the cold storages. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, that's totally cool. a big space. You know, I don't know if you heard this, but a little side note um, for every foot that goes from normal retail to online, you need three times the amount of warehouse space. So yeah, yeah mm-hmm. that's, that's really driving the, the cold storage and warehouse demand. Mm-hmm. So, Okay, so as we look at um, kind of wrapping up here, uh, Andy, is there is there a, a new flavor coming out? Is there a new factory coming out that Owaka has? Any new company news? Um, just anything that you like to touch on as we as we close? Um, nothing new, you know. We're just continuing to support the farmers. <laughs> we are we are part of the Upstate Niagara Co-op, which is uh, now they are 100 of our our owner now. So they acquired the the uh, remaining portion of a WACA they didn't already own. So we're part of a larger network with that. So that's just opening up more of the, you know, the co-manufacturing that you're doing for larger companies. That's opening up to more of the, the local, like we talked about the local impact in uh, Western New York, which is great. But uh, as you see that reach of dairy, it just keeps going out farther and farther. So, I mean, we're, we're shipping product across the country and, you know, down to Puerto Rico. And uh, if you're one of the main manufacturers in a certain niche, whether it's cheese, whether it's uh, ice cream, whether it's uh, evaporated milk, like we are, then uh, you're going to find less and less other options out there and people are going to start knocking on your door to, to try and get your product. So, it's, it's pretty, uh, pretty exciting time to be in there. And, and that's where, you know, like what I touched on earlier, we, we need to start letting people know how this, these industries are, the food and beverage, the, you know, the transportation, there's great opportunities. So wouldn't someone rather have, you know, real world experience 
right out of high school, not be saddled with this, you know, student loan debt in underwater basket weaving or whatever they want to get right. to degree in. And then they can use that to move on. I, I tell people when we're doing interviews, it's, it's like a, a factory for a food manufacturer. It's like a city. So you could come in and do this job, come out here and, and work with us in the warehouse. And then all of a sudden you say, you know what? I really like quality. And then that turns into, hey, I really like R&D. And then it turns into, I'm working with sales with you know, major customers or something like that. Depending on what path you, you, you want to take and what initiative you bring into the job, there's the, the possibilities are limitless, which is what's great. So. You know, that's a great point, uh, you know, whether it's logistics or, you know, the actual manufacturing facility, the factory, you know, a high school degree, you know, as far as our company goes and, and sounds like many factories is, is all that's required. So mm-hmm. you can come out, you don't have to have, like you said, $50,000, $200,000 worth of debt with a college degree. I'm not saying college degrees are bad. I'm just saying this is an option. And, yeah. and uh, you know, go out there, get exposure to different aspects of business, find out what you like, right? And then, yeah. you know, dive deeper into that because, uh, you know, there's, there's, you know, and maybe let's say you, you are going to college, maybe you do an internship, right? So there's different ways to do it. It doesn't have to be black or white. You can find like a, a gray medium to, to uh, get some life experiences, yeah. Uh, and that, one, that's the same thing like with the military where, you know, I, I would have been a disaster going straight to college. So I was glad I had the military to give me that structure. And it gives you an idea of what sort of path you want to go down. And, you know, I if I if I am talking with younger people, I'm like, you really should look into getting your CDL because these companies are having hiring bonuses. They're offering training. You'll get to see the country. At least you'll get to meet a lot of, you know, very interesting people. You get to have real world, real life experience and not behind a keyboard, you know? So it's, it's a, it's a good possibility for people. Exactly. And after two years, 99% of the carriers out there can now hire you. So you can, you can, if you want, if you really love the driving, you can go buy a truck and now you're an owner operator, you know, and a business owner, or you can, you know, be a company driver and, and compare which options are best for you. So I couldn't agree more, you know, getting some experiences out there in both spaces is, is always valuable. Uh, we'll close with the, the food shippers of America. You know, it's the premier food events. It's not specific, specific to dairy, but it's, it's overall the food, you know, food and beverage, uh, space is coming up in February, February 20th to 22nd in Orlando. And I encourage, uh, everyone to attend, um, it's at the JW Marriott for a few days. Again, February 20th to the 22nd, that's the food shippers of America and it's held every year. So Andy, thank you for joining us. And I'm going to go get some, uh, some skim milk. There you go. Thanks very much for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm a big fan of the podcast. Thank you, Andy. Yeah. Bye-bye. All right. All right. Thank you for listening to the Food and Beverage Leaders Podcast. I'm Andy Barr with Barr Transportation. Now, if you are a successful leader in the food and beverage space, believe in your company, and want to share your story, really look no further. All you have to do is go to bartrans, B-A-H-R-T-R-A-N-S dot com forward slash podcast forward slash apply to apply to be on the show. Lastly, if you enjoyed listening to our show, please consider sharing the link or screenshot on your social media account. We want to help as many people as possible who truly believe education and discussion is where it all starts. Of course, if you know someone that would be a great guest, connect with us and we'll explore to see if it's a good fit. Again, thank you for listening to the Food and Beverage Leaders Podcast. And as always, we'll leave you with our favorite quote, 
preparation plus opportunity equals success. Now go crush life, and we'll see you again soon.